Welcome back to Marriage Monday. Thanks so much for joining with me. My name is Dave Berenger, and this is my podcast to help you build your marriage one Monday at a time. Today, we're going to talk about deepening intimacy. I think it's a conversation that we ought to have with our spouse quite often. I don't think it's something we should ever ignore. Now, understand that when I talk about intimacy, we are not automatically talking about sex. For some reason, we have made those words synonymous because sex is part of intimacy, just a part of intimacy. But intimacy goes so far beyond sexual activity, even though they are connected. It's talk, we're talking about being vulnerable with one another, being real with one another, sharing the essence of who we are and what we are about and coming together with our spouse to be exactly what we saw in the Garden of Eden when it says in Scripture that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. Everything was shared between them, complete intimacy. So what I want to talk to you about today is I want to give you eight ways to deepen intimacy. If you feel like intimacy is waning or being challenged right now, I'm going to give you eight ways, things to work on. You can pick one of these to work on, and it's going to help deepen the intimacy between you and your spouse. So number one, here we go. Listen to one another. Listen to one another. It sounds so simple, but I find that when couples are struggling in intimacy, they're not necessarily struggling to find words to say or having things to say but they struggle with just simply listening. Listening, I think, is one of the most important parts of communication. It is essential. There are times I've walked into my my marriage where I'm ready to say something. I've got something on my heart. I've had something brewing. I've built up storylines in my head, but because I stopped to simply listen to Anne first, I began to realize that everything that I had to say needed to go out the window because I didn't fully understand the scope of everything that was taking place. That's what listening does. It collaborates our hearts and recalibrates our minds to help understand what's taking place, our spouse's perspective, and the full width and breadth of the situation. Number two, be patient. You want to exercise um, intimacy and deepen it. Be patient. Learn how to be patient. Uh, Man, when when we exercise patience, it helps chase away assumptions. It helps steady our temper. It helps us to be exactly what we need in number one, to be a better listener. It prevents unnecessary damage to the relationship because we are choosing to be patient instead of lashing out, instead of acting just... uh, In football, back in high school, we used to say, don't think, react. But when we're just purely reactionary, we can actually do more damage than we think that we're doing good within the relationship. So be patient. Number three, practice daily gratitude together. This is a big deal. I love making couples. um, I call it celebrate. What can you celebrate about your spouse? What can you be Uh, How can you show gratitude towards your spouse? Practice it. In fact, I would challenge you every single day, you may have heard me talk about this on the podcast, is find three things you're thankful for in your life. And if you want to go to the next level, do this with your spouse and make sure one of them is a gratitude point toward your spouse. Hey, I'm thankful for the job I've got. I'm thankful for uh, a moment I had with a coworker today where I got you just to really bless somebody. And then I am grateful uh, for the way that you show patience with me when I am not acting right. Boom, right there. We have three things we're thankful for. We've let our spouse into our world of what happened during the day. And we're also showing them that we see things that they may not realize we notice. That's a big deal. Number four, pray together every day. 
This is a challenge for a lot of couples. I, I will admit this is a challenge for me and Anne because our schedules are just vastly different. Even the way that we approach our devotions and our Bible reading is different. But uh, we've noticed that when we go through the hardest times, this is one of those that we actually turn up almost like a volume. Uh, we just increase the intensity of this where we, are, when we're going through dark times, we make sure that we just simply pray. And we don't have long prayer times. Some of you think because I'm a pastor that immediately that when Ann and I get together, we pray for an hour. It sometimes is as simple as, Lord, give us a good night of rest. Help us with this. Guide us, lead us, protect us. It's so simple, but there's just something about the intimacy that takes place when two people decide to pray together regardless of how elaborate or simple it is. Number five, have fun. You cannot forget to have fun. I say this all the time. What won your heart keeps your heart. What did you do when you guys were dating, or some people might call the courting process? What did you do to catch each other's eye? What did you do to encourage passion within the relationship, to really win somebody's heart? What were the things? Was it uh, going bowling? Uh, I knew a couple that went bowl, that not went bowl riding, watched bowl riding. I've known couples that talk about um, the simplest things of going to movies or, or playing putt-putt. Like, we just we used to have so much fun. And my response is, why aren't you doing that again? Find ways to have fun. And, and some things you might think are juvenile, either do them anyways, or find a new way that the both of you can have fun together because fun is intimate. Number six, be alone together more often. If it's possible, be alone together. You need to date your spouse. You need alone time. Anna and I discovered this um, a little far into our marriage. We were two kids into it, and we were like two ships passing in the night. And we discovered that, hey, Thursday nights is the night where we're going to put the kids to bed early. We're going to make a huge bowl of popcorn. We're going to sit on our bed, and we're going to get caught up on the TV shows that we had been recording the whole week. Yes, we used the VCR and we had a stack of tapes and we would just sit there and bend shows together, laugh together, eat tons of popcorn. And there was just something about the simplicity of sitting on our bed and just having alone time without little ones around that just really, really got us through a tough time. Now, I don't know what it looks like for you. I tell this to young couples all the time. Get together with two to three other young couples, develop friendships and agree that once a week, one of the couples is going to watch the other person's kids so that they can go out for two to three, maybe even four hours of uninterrupted time together. And the next week, trade off. And, and what you can do the week after that, trade off with the third couple. Find ways to help help each other to get through times and to get more alone time together. I tell this to boomer couples, man, adopt some people in your church. Look for young couples you can befriend, you can get to know, they can get to know you, that you could almost be uh, kind of like grandparents in their life. And, and essentially, when trust is built up, relationship is built up, you can watch their kids, and that way they can go out on dates. Do for younger ones that you wish somebody would have done for you, because uh, that alone time is so necessary. Number seven, take time for more intentional physical contact. I'm not necessarily talking about sexuality. I'm really talking about non-sexual touch. I've talked about this quite a few times, that your spouse needs a healthy dose of physical touch. Now, you may be listening and saying, well, I'm not a physical touch person. I'm here to say that as a human being, we all need physical touch. We do. 
from birth. I believe it's called the kangaroo syndrome. It's a, a tactic for which when babies are born, like babies usually are placed immediately on their mother's chest or their mother's stomach in order to create a connection and to create warmth. Both of my kids, same thing. And what's happening is uh, they're also encouraging the fathers to take off their shirts and to sit down and to put the baby on, the, on his chest. It does provide warmth, but it also provides connection and it's also healthy. I just sent these notes to a pastor the other day because I used this in a message. There's just something about the growth, the health of the baby that is transmitted through physical contact. The healthier your relationship is, the more intentional, non-sexual con physical contact you're going to see. And that leads me toward number eight. We're talking about intimacy, and so we have to talk about sex. And I, and I'll say it this way, I get to talk about sex. I love talking about this subject because I believe us in the church ought to have the best, most fulfilling sex lives in the entire world. And when it comes to intimacy, we have to make time for sex. It has to be intentional within our relationship. I believe that every couple, every couple ought to have consistent sexuality in their marriage. I think it's necessary, but the frequency is going to be up to you. The times or the days are going to be up to you, but it takes a conversation. It takes listening. It takes patience. It takes physical contact without strings attached. It takes intimacy to develop other ways to be intimate. And the more you work these, the more you're going to see the intimacy in your life get deepened. So here's our aid again. Listen to one another. Be patient. Practice gratitude. Pray together. Don't forget to have fun. Get alone together. Show intentional physical contact and make time for sex. That's all I've got. Take one of these. Take two of these. Practice some. Deepen your intimacy and watch God begin to grow your relationship and watch your marriage get healthier. Love y'all. Have a great Marriage Monday. God bless.